0: Hi, I'm Curtis Herbert.
1: I'm Bell B. Cooper.
0: And I'm Jelly, aka Daniel Farrelly. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living on the web and mobile. So I've been heads down for the past couple of weeks, working on or probably about a month working on some big features for Slopes this fall, and coming up on my big 3.0, which is exciting. 2.0 launch will be two years ago when 3.0 launches. So I'm still in the code, still in the weeds, but. I'm starting to have to think more and more about what is this 3.0 going to look like, getting it out to the public, the launch.
2: Would you say that you're in the dirt because the underground bit, it's in the dirt? Because the 3D yeah, programming? You know, yeah. Because yeah, you're yeah. doing the 3D stuff? Yeah, and, yeah, I'm in the dirt. And also, sync yeah. is basically dirt, you know? It's, it's. Oh, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but so, so I'm starting to try and plan out uh, and not do the classic developer thing of waiting till the last minute to worry about the release. Yeah. So, and you know, I guess the first thing is, deciding when you want to make some kind of noise about a product update you know what what made slopes this version of it 3.0 worthy because to me version numbers still matter you watch the app store half the time a major version comes out and it's just bug fixes and improvements that i still (laughs) don't get that but you know for me 3.0 made sense because i'm including sync and finally taking slopes more and more onto the server and that's going to unlock a bunch of capabilities And I'm rewriting one of my oldest analytic tools in the app in SceneKit. Basically, I'm building Google Earth. So this, this, my gut check really felt like, okay, this is, this is a 3.0, not a, not a 2.6. But I'm curious for you two, you know, what really kind of defines what, uh, what is worthy of a launch or the launch process in your books?
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that. I'm curious to see if it's similar for you, Jelly, because you both have products where the app is the product, whereas for me, mm. my app is a client for a SaaS product. And so I don't know if that's where the difference is or if it's just because I'm so slow that I have to do one big feature at a time and I can't I can't do a big launch with lots of big features because it takes me so long.
0: I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty slow too. Have you seen my tweets of this 3D programming? <laughs> it's, it's, taking, well. it's taking ages, Curtis. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. People just stop asking for dinosaurs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that does make me feel better though. But all of my updates pretty much are either kind of a a maintenance release, which is just improvements and bug fixes, or one main feature. So I never really have this process of kind of now's a 2.0 or now's a 3.0 and here's all the new stuff and it's launching a version. For me, it's, it's always been I'm launching a feature and usually it's across our entire SaaS product where the new feature comes out in both our clients and on the web. And so it's a launch of a feature for us rather than a launch of kind of a version or an update, I guess. Is that different for you, Jelly? Do you do it more like Curtis does where you launch a new version of the product?
2: Yeah, t- typically I tend to so I, I tend to use semantic versioning. So for those that are not in the know, you have a major, a minor, and a patch version, which is you so you have number, point, number, point, number. Patches I tend to try and just release bug fixes, although sometimes a minor feature, like a little feature will get in there. Minor versions tend to have actual features, so they'll you know they'll have a cup one or two features that are like you know flagship and then major versions I've really only done one because I'm still on like one point, whatever. I've got a major version coming up this year and so it's like a, you know, a big change and I'm okay with completely rewriting the way that you think about the way that you use the app. So yeah, I, w- I would say, I think, uh, I mean, assuming that you do it that way, Curtis, I would say that we're probably roughly the same.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it.
2: But it sounds like to me, Bell, you use sort of a web version of like versioning where a lot of web software and even browsers, I guess, c- Chrome has definitely gone this way where... Major versions don't really matter. It's just like we build and we build and we build and we release this feature. We build and we build and we build and mm-hmm. we release this feature. And yeah. the versioning under the hood doesn't matter because they just, in the case of Chrome, they just want to release stuff. Is that would that be the same with you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I do try to make sure that I I don't use a major version change unless there's a really big change in the app. So some of the features are bigger than others, obviously. And because yeah, okay. with Exist, which is my main app. Although it's a client for the SaaS product, there's also some stuff that's particular to that app. For instance, some Apple Health Syncing where it only happens in the app and there's no way to get that from a web-based API like we do with everything else. So yeah, there's some okay, extra yeah. stuff in the app that's app-specific. And that's the kind of stuff hmm. where I think I think I went to 2.0 when I added Apple Health Sync because that was a really big deal. So I, I do try not to go up major versions too often but otherwise i don't worry too much about the the semantic versioning
2: so you you would say that your versioning that is not in line with the with the web stuff like with the actual back-end uh versions
1: in terms of keeping the numbers in line you mean
2: yeah like you don't try to keep those in line at all
1: no no we don't worry i don't even know what version the android the android app is on it's really just up to us because also I release a lot more versions in between big features than Josh does on the Android app because I'm always fixing stuff I've broken. So I tend to have to have new versions more often. And so really it's just a matter of what we think makes sense in terms of how much has changed each time. But, we we don't pay as much attention to it than it sounds like you two do.
0: Yeah, I guess it sounds like for you, your your launches that would be akin to kind of ours are are those features. Mm. It's definitely something I've noticed with websites. It's very true that it's not version 3.0 of Facebook. It's just <laughs> they put this version this feature out, and there's no real need to hold features back mm. like we do for apps a lot of the times. Like I'm bundling a bunch of features into 3.0. And it's gonna be a free update, so it isn't like I'm trying to get extra money out of it. Like there's no reason to feature packet, at least not the traditional reasons. But that's yeah, it's just something you don't really see on the web. The the launches tend to be these awesome new features that come out.
1: Mm. Yeah, ours is very much like that.
2: Yeah. I mean Facebook and the the like, they tend to do a lot of A B testing, which I guess probably
1: mm.
2: it probably makes them unable to to release just regular versions. Because a lot of their features tend to be like, okay, well, we're changing this, but we want to test to see, like. Yeah, we feature flagged it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, who's, who's going to like, if, is this better than the old one? And like, will we release it to everybody? And so y- when you're kind of doing things that way, it's a little harder to say, okay, well, all this, this is in, you know, uh, is in version, you know, three and, uh, we're going to release this to just, well, just to some people, just to some people and see how that kind of, how, how that kind of pans out.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think the versions, I, I still like them because they're good launch points. They're good mm-hmm. reasons to get press. Like, Bell, when you ship a feature um, or your SaaS ships a feature, and let's just say, you know, across the platform, every client got it at the same time. You know, you want press around that feature being available. And I think that yeah. at least for apps, because we have the baggage of kind of the old way software was done, where you would box it up and send it out and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you'd want to bundle that. All together as opposed to just constantly getting better and releasing feature after feature after feature, just in the app as it goes. Mm. I kind of like that model sometimes. I wish, uh, I wish apps could be a little bit more like
2: that. Do you feel like you could go that way though, Curtis? Even that your main monetization s- strategy uh those words—is <laughs> you ha- you have subs- subscriptions, right? Like you, you could technically mm-hmm. probably pull off the whole like, okay, well, I'll just release this feature to like to subscribers. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's pretty much how I treat it. Like
0: normally this version 3.0, I'd want to pack another feature or two in if I intended to charge for Mm. it. But I'm communicating it as 3.0 mainly as for I don't know if any customers do pay attention, but the ones that do this will feel like a big update. And there's some visualization changes. There's a whole new 3D rendering engine sync dinosaurs, (laughs) dinosaurs, (laughs) like there, there is a good amount of stuff in here. And it felt big to me yeah so my goal is to just keep releasing and keep getting better and it's just continual use is how people pay me but i still wanted to be able to communicate you know this is this release is a big one Mm -hmm. you know this one should feel substantial to my customers
2: yeah and i think version numbers do like especially major version numbers do tend to Mm -hmm. summarize that in effectively one digit yeah Yeah, when apps still use it i updated an app yesterday or
0: something and it was like version 11 i'm like oh what's new bug fixes and performance improvements (laughs) really come on guys Come on. Okay. We, we have slightly different ideas of what, uh, you know, constitutes making a bunch of noise for one of our products. Um, and kind of how we bundle those together to have something to make noise about. But regardless, when something is out there and you've put a lot of work into it, you, you need to make the noise to get your customers to know about it and hopefully find new customers. So, what's that? What's that process look like for you too? Do you have any? Do you have any checklists? You know, how how do you handle that?
2: I do have something of a checklist, although it's not written down really. I recently also discovered. I don't know if you know of Big Bucket. They made the incident and stuff like that.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh,
2: Nevin Mergen put together a checklist which I've had in my bookmarks for a, for a little while now, of what he does for a a, a launch. And while I don't necessarily use this, uh, this is very similar to what I kind of go through when I do a launch. It, it differs between uh, when I'm doing a major, like a new app launch and when I'm doing just like a, well, I've got a couple of features launch because I don't tend to write blog posts for updates. But it's a pretty good um, idea of like what you should go through in order to um, to launch. The first time and, uh, you know, f- for the most part I, I follow this but it's a little dissimilar in places.
1: We're pretty similar in that we, we don't really have a checklist written down but we have a few things that we do every time pretty much. Yep. But usually we, we tend to focus on our existing users and our existing network. For us, I don't know if we'll get more into this later but uh, in terms of straight-up PR, it just pretty much never, ever has worked out for us whenever we reach out to people in the press. Whenever they come to us, it works really well. Yeah. But it's like, it has to be their idea. For some reason, anytime we reach out to the press, we we just haven't gotten anything out of it. And so we've kind of just stopped wasting energy because we're clearly doing it wrong. Yeah. So we normally focus on on our existing users. So we'll do things like we have a little in-app notification kind of system, there's a little bell icon up in the corner of both our apps and the web app where we can do notifications about things like we've got a new integration or we've got this new feature. Nice. So we'll do one of those and we'll do an email out to all of our users and we'll do obviously just Twitter and Facebook, all that normal stuff. And then um, we also have a mailing list where when people delete their accounts as they're deleting, they can sign up for an ex-user's mailing list where they can just say, I'm, I'm curious about the product still. I might want to come back because it's one of those products where... It's
0: really interesting. Okay. Uh,
1: well, we don't have a free plan, so it's kind of... There's no way to downgrade. So if you think you kind of want it, but you're not willing to pay, you just have to delete your account. Yep. So we find a lot of people think, mm, it's kind of cool, but I'm not sure I want it. So, they delete their account, but as they're doing so, they, they think, or there might be a particular integration they want. For instance, they can't get something important like their sleep data in there because we don't integrate with whatever they use for sleep or something like that that's holding them back. So, they can sign up for this mailing list to hear about major changes, and we only email them when it's a really big change but if we have some kind of major new feature we'll also email that list and say hey you tried this product a while ago we've got this major feature maybe it's enough for you to come back and try it again Mm. so that's one of the things that we make sure we do every time too
0: that's a really interesting idea i'm gonna have to find a way to steal that (laughs) i I, I really like that it makes sense there are a bunch of products now i wish all of them did that because there are plenty of products Mm. like i still follow on twitter because i want to see what their updates are like but I'm just not quite using them at the moment. But I still want to keep an eye on them. Yeah. That's really smart.
1: Yeah, yeah. I always felt like that about lots of things where I would try them and it wasn't a great fit, but I wanted to know when they changed things in case later it did become a good fit for my needs. And and we, we knew that lots of our users felt like that because when they deleted their accounts, they would quite often say, maybe I'll come back in the future or I'm going to keep an eye on what you're doing. Mm. So I wish we had done it earlier, but now that we have it, we're finding it really useful. And it's really handy for those really big features where people keep asking about them or they delete their accounts and say, I'm deleting because you don't have this feature. It feels really good to be able to email those people and say, you all asked for this and now we have it. Mm. And to see some of them sign up again. Now please pay. (laughs) Please
0: pay us money. We built the thing you asked for. Now please give us your money. (laughs) That's how this works. <laughs>
1: what, are, what about you, Curtis? What's your launch like? Uh, it sounds like I'm
0: not alone. Well, Joe, you sound a little bit more organized with a checklist, but I, I certainly don't have anything formal in place. I mean, it's an, uh, it's an app. So the standard Apple checklist applies. Yep. You know, make sure your screenshots are up to date. Make sure your description, keywords, any of that metadata that you can't edit. Yep. This launch around, I'm definitely, I keep trying to focus more and more on my app store page design, for lack of a better word. Uh, And with the new app store changes that I'm hoping to rework a lot of the stuff in there for 3.0. And I think a lot of the stuff in 3.0 will look nice in the new app store. So I'm kind of excited for that. I mean, a bunch of the old I, I, I keep old data around from old versions of slopes, run that through all the migrations, make sure everything upgrades, you know, all the code health stuff. But really, for me, the launch is just like, get it good enough, get it out to beta testers, about a week beforehand, maybe start working on marketing material for this, Mm -hmm. and then launch it. And that's kind of my unofficial checklist, which uh, I'll admit is is not the best. (laughs)
2: So with the beta testers, I mean, I I know I use beta testers, and you just mentioned that you have, and Bell, I believe you mentioned earlier that you, you obviously have beta testers. It's a fairly it's a fairly common thing, um, to have kind of regular users that try out your stuff before you launch it to the regular public. How useful do you both find that? Because I know that. As much as I love my beta testers, I'm sorry, beta testers. <laughs> Under the bus. <laughs> it's not super useful for finding all of the bugs and the the problems and stuff that tend to uh that that tend to kind of pop up to to an extent where I'm almost kind of considering ditching the whole idea altogether. H- how do you? both find that process of like releasing to beta testers and trying to find the bugs before launch i was in
0: your boat until probably about six months ago and then i got a good beta tester (laughs) um actually it was someone it was someone i met um and i've gone snowboarding with him now he lives up in vermont um he logged 100 days this year with slopes which was awesome wow But he was actually passionate about the product and was very excited by the fact that I clearly cared about his feedback and he could help direct things. And the way he wanted to go, I also appreciated it wasn't out of the, you know, anything really weird. But he's been an amazing beta tester and I've gotten more good feedback from him in one season than all my years of shipping slopes. He was great. So that I think it's with the right beta tester and someone who's actually Caring about your product, they can be good, but I think they're rare, especially if you just generically let people sign up for a beta on the, you know, through Twitter or something like, hey, DM me if you want a beta. That's never gotten me good beta testers. Mm-mm. I don't know. What what about you, Belle? Do you, do you have like special beta flags to uh, let customers in? I guess you can actually do that with web stuff.
1: Sort of. I mean, it's pretty manual, especially for me, because I still have to go and do the process of adding them to iTunes Connect and that kind of stuff. I could do an entire episode on on beta testers. There's well, we should so much to unpack. Bookmarked. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I've found beta testing just we've really struggled to get much out of beta testers. They're they're just too quiet for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they either won't always update the app when you send out a new version, or they'll update it and just not say anything. And I think I've mentioned before that when we do our we do an annual survey where we ask all of our users for feedback, and one of the most common things that happens in that survey is where they have a free text box. They'll write in there, oh, there's this bug. I've been meaning to tell you about it, but it's been there for six months because it's just too hard, I guess, to send us an email. But when, when they're doing a survey, <laughs> yeah. they tell yeah. us about all these bugs that we had no idea about. Yeah. So. That's one of the most frustrating things and one of the things I just started doing because I'm beta testing a big new feature right now and I was getting frustrated that all these people were using it and I was not getting enough feedback about it, especially because it's a new feature where I don't just want to know about bugs, but I want to know, are you using this feature? How are you using this feature? Does it make sense? All that kind of stuff. So... I don't have a very big group because I clean them out really regularly. If they're not helping, I just get rid of them. If they haven't updated the app for six months, I just get rid of them. So the yep. group is only about 25 or 30. But I went through and emailed every single one individually from my own email address and said, You've got this new feature. I can see that you're using it. Do you like it? How are you using it? And I'd say, probably. of them so far have replied to me within about a week and said, Hey, it's really nice that you reached out to me. Here's what I think. Even though there's a specific spot where they're supposed to give me feedback, we've got a group set up. (laughs) I keep saying to them, tell me what you think, but something about Mm. reaching out individually has made a big difference. So because I have a small enough group that I can do that, I think I'm going to keep doing mm-hmm. that in the future because I need the feedback enough that I'm willing to put in that time.
2: I do I do find that the the beta testers that tend to, that I tend to talk to on the regular tend to be the most helpful as mm-hmm. far as like telling me when things are problematic and stuff like that. There is a, mm-hmm. a choice few who are very very helpful and if they're listening they're they're my favorites uh <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> you know who you are you know they 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 are very helpful and so it's it's not like it's not something that's for me that's cut and dry like i for the most part the majority of my beta testers not particularly helpful um there are a choice few that are mm-hmm. i've been i've been trying a few different things around like to to get around the fact that my beta testers aren't necessarily super helpful One of which has been to like stick in a heck, like a heck ton of analytics and trying to like capture like what's going on Mm. in the lead up to things like crashes and stuff like that, so that I can kind of figure it out. Mm. One of the things that I've been trying, um, I'm trying with this kind of big release, is something that was mentioned by Craig Federighi, I think, at the live daring not daring fireball the oh, talk, talk show. the live talk show um, at WWDC this this year how with APFS plus they released they did this thing where they kind of launched it quietly under the hood so that it would kind of like start doing a migration to APFS+. Plus. So that's the file system, mm-hmm. the new file system. It would do the migration to that, but then roll it back at the last second so, so that they could kind of figure out what all the problems were. And that was public. Like it was every time you were updating to like 9.3.5 or whatever, like, you know, these random little versions. You do this like migration, and the whole point was so that when they actually got to the end and they actually launched it for real, it would be would work great. And that's the approach Mm. that I'm kind of taking with this major release. So, in the lead up to the the major release, I'm going to have a few patch versions where I fix a few bugs that have popped up um, from the the last major release, the last minor release, really. Mm. And so, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of coding everything, 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 everything is getting coded into the app. And just going out and rather than kind of keeping that code base separate completely like it's just going in there but it's not kind of turned on and that way yeah like all the under the hood stuff can kind of, kind of get tested in the lead up it seems to be working yeah
0: kind of so then what do you two do for you know you you have your app and your hands your beta testers and you're hopefully getting good feedback from that group hopefully <laughs> um and you make the decision okay it's you know we're we're shipping this thing this is gonna happen what are you doing kind of along the way from a public standpoint? You know, there there's all different kinds of schools of thought here for, you know, do you do the Apple thing, which is the big reveal and you know nothing going into the big reveal? Or do you do development more in the open where you're talking about what you're working on? Or do you do some kind of small hybrid where you start talking about the new features a week or two ahead of time? What styles do you two like?
1: We're definitely more more in the open, I think, in in general. We tend to be pretty transparent about what we're doing anyway, so that just fits with, with how we do things. But I don't really think a big reveal would work for us, even if we wanted to do that, because I just don't think we're big enough for people to care. Everyone cares what Apple does, so everyone's willing to wait and to find out what they're doing. And I just don't think enough people care that much about us for, for a big reveal to mean much. So I think it works for us just to, to be transparent about what we're doing along the way and we, we don't make too much of a fuss, but we both tend to share screenshots personally on Twitter or places like that. As we're working on a feature, when we start getting it working and there's something to look at and it looks cool and we're excited about it, we'll quite often share and say, this is what I'm working on. I'm really excited about mm-hmm. it. And when it's in beta, we we let people talk about it. If they say, can I write a blog post about how I'm using this? Or can I share this on Twitter? Can I share a screenshot of this? We always let them do that because we figure it, it doesn't hurt us so far. It's only seemed to help. So we're pretty yeah. open about that kind of stuff.
2: I tend to subscribe to the idea of, and I think I talked about this on the last episode maybe, of keeping a secret and then launching it because I love me a good secret. It's not necessarily <laughs> because I think anybody cares about my product uh, <laughs> or me personally. Um, in fact, I'm sure that they don't. But I feel really uncomfortable releasing, like letting the people see things when they're not kind of somewhat polished. Mm. And so I tend to kind of wait until they're at a certain level of polish before I will release it or make make it kind of known. In the last major release that I, um, I I did, I had a new feature which was um, saving, saving Twitter links. So you could long press on a tweet in TweetBot or Twitter or whatever and you'd like get a little share sheet and gift wrapped would be in there and you could save any GIFs to GifWrapped that was completely new it had been something that people were waiting for and kind of wanting for a long time but i just hadn't gotten around to actually finishing it up yet and about maybe a couple of weeks before before i actually launched i just tweeted a video of it in action with very little uh with very little kind of context to it and just kind of let it sit and that was uh, it got a little, it got a fair bit of good feedback and that was kind of that was kind of re- rewarding for me like i i'd been working on this it had it was a kind of a reward for saying, you know, for actually actually getting around to doing this thing. So I I do tend to like I I tend to like that. So mm-hmm. I tend to hold off on the on the on the you know releasing things and and telling people about things until they're actually ready. Yeah, I don't know. I've been.
0: I- struggling with when to tell people so if you've been following me on twitter for the last couple weeks you've seen a bunch of 3d renderings that look like google earth and i don't care how bad my code is right now i'm tweeting about it because it looks cool but i've had a hard time figuring out how much of that i want to take over to the official slopes marketing side so for example um i just took a picture i got slopes working on the ipad not 2x scaled like iphone and I just uh wanted to experiment with how that marketing would go. It's like, oh, I'm just playing around with features type of thing. So I put it on the Slopes Facebook and Twitter. And within like 10 minutes, I got a reply from someone who was like, as a Slopes subscriber, I'm really looking forward to this feature. And like I disclaimed to them, like, I'm just putzing around here. Like, this would take a lot of work to get right. So I always worry about that. Um So all of my kind of marketing mm-hmm. so far for Slopes 3 has been just kind of on my personal Twitter. You know, I'm just a developer chatting about features. I'm not promising anything. But then I feel like kind of like you, Jelly, where you tweeted something out when it was ready enough to show. That's generally my style. You know, a couple weeks before release, I'll go ahead and I'll let them know like, hey, this is what you can expect to see. And then start sending official stuff out the week of to the mailing list and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I released that video. So time wise, I released that video pretty much just before maybe a day or two before. That feature went to any beta testers, so nobody else had played with it yet. So it was it was completely kind of new to everybody, and even I don't think even beta testers like but my beta testers don't tend to know what I'm working on unless I've like specifically told them mm-hmm. a thing that they've asked for. Um, I so like they hadn't played with it, nobody had played with it, so everybody got kind of got the video and was like, this was the first time that they'd seen it, and I, I just basically got it to the point where it was working enough. I could film a video, somewhat crop, you know, bits and pieces out of the video to make it kind of a bit quicker uh, and kind of make it so that it, it flowed and it was just like okay, bam bam bam, this is this is what's coming. And it was working enough that I could video it, but not necessarily working in every situation and so the you know, the beta testers did help me to kind of figure out some of the things afterwards and even now there's a handful of of issues with it that I'm I'm working on fixing, but the point was to have something that not it, it not only kind of served the purpose of going well, this is coming in the next release, but it also served the purpose of this is how you use it in the next release. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had started playing uh, last season around with, I, I loved. I Think it's uh, what Riedel, the company that makes Spark the Mac app, and also I think PDF expert and a yep. couple other. Um, I, I had been following them just because I like spark. And I noticed they were doing something very interesting with marketing. When a new feature would come out where it was basically a short GIF, just showing that feature somehow in action, nice Twitter card. And I, I started using that for slopes launches. Like when I launched search was a thing, just a quick five second GIF of just somebody going to the search bar, typing in Colorado. And all of a sudden all their days in Colorado showed up. And I, I I haven't found I got a lot of traction with that yet, but I found that that's a nice like launch marketing thing I'm enjoying doing. Just finding a way to show off that feature really quick in a five second like retweetable format thing.
2: Yeah, the animated images, aka GIF, <laughs> just just gonna GIF and and videos and stuff <laughs> like that do tend to be some somewhat useful in that respect, I think. And images to like just regular static images to a certain extent. Because, like, like we were talking about kind of pre, pre show, I think it's the visual stuff. Something about the visual stuff do, does tend to kind of elicit a certain amount of kind of excitement yeah. and, and sort of, you know, kind of expectation. Whereas, like, I mean, you, you take into account, like, for instance, Curtis, you've been working on two major features, Sync and the 3D view, kind of publicly. You were talking about both, you've been talking about both of them publicly. But the 3D stuff, like mm. as far as I can tell, has gotten you a lot more feedback than the sync stuff. And it tends to be because it's visual. Like yeah. people are seeing something. It's exciting. It looks cool. It's, yeah. you know, it's all about the flash, you know, it's, <laughs> it's something that, you know, people kind of, kind of look at and get excited about. Whereas, you know, sync is, is a bit. Kind of, it's a checkbox. It's, well, it works or it doesn't nice. work. Yeah, like, that's good. I'm glad yeah. that that's got that feature. Yeah, what but, am I going to you know. do? The progress bar <laughs>
0: going for sync or something? Like it just, yeah. There's not much. There's there's really no UI to my sync engine. So
2: yeah. So so when you were doing a release and you're going through the the whole process, and w- would you say that uh, you you do all that sort of um, all this sort of stuff yourself? Do you get any help with it? I know, for instance, I, I mean I do pretty much everything myself. I may on occasion get help from, from my wife with ver- various different bits and pieces if I need some help with the writing and stuff like that. But do you, do you two tend to do all the release stuff yourself? Bell, does your partner get in on the action?
1: Yeah, we, we definitely split it, but we've never got any outside help for that kind of stuff so for writing blog posts and writing the emails to our users and making the images and all that stuff that's something that that we just split between the two of us depending on Mm. what it is if it's an ios feature specifically like apple health type stuff then usually i'll do most of that and he'll just help with kind of getting that stuff out on launch day but i'll be making the images and and writing the copy and all that kind of stuff but usually for the big features because it's across all our platforms There'll be a bunch of stuff for both of us to do, and we can pretty easily split it.
0: I wish I had a content writer. <laughs> if only I knew one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's it largely been all me. I mean, I am fortunate that I am a developer who also feels very comfortable in Photoshop. So I don't mind coming up with all the images, all that kind of stuff. One time I did get help that uh, quick animated GIF idea. I was knee's deep in development. I didn't have the time to figure out how to do this and hired a friend really quick to just go ahead and make the motion template for me because I could figure out keyframe animations and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't want to have to learn motion. So he gave me a really basic template that I can use and I know now how to go in and swap out and, you know, do whatever text or animations I need to do in there. Mm. But yeah, most most of the uh marketing efforts have annoyingly been on me which I somewhat enjoy but I I definitely sometimes wish I had somebody to take the load off there because it's it's definitely not a part where I shine Uh, I think I'm an okay designer and a pretty good engineer but I am definitely not a marketer or a content writer or anything like that the things you have to do as an indie wear many hats (laughs) that you don't want to wear
2: yeah yeah I mean I like wearing the various different hats like I like writing my content I, I I can't say that I'm the best at it and every every literally every release that I I put out I'll, I'll look back after the release is launched, and I'll read, re- I'll reread my update notes, and I'll always, always find a typo. Oh yes. And it'll always yes. be like the worst <laughs> typo. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to like the 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 only problem that I have with with doing it all myself is that it tends to mean that I've got like between when the release is ready to go out and when it actually goes out, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I've got to get done. Update all the screenshots, update the, you know, do the, write the mm-hmm. update notes, make sure that all the metadata is in place and all that sort of stuff. So I've been trying to make efforts towards kind of getting all that sort of stuff done in advance. So now when I finish putting together a feature or a bug fix, I write that portion of the update notes. Mm. And I've, I've got now a script that generates that from, from effectively my Trello board to, to go out, which, which is kind of way nicer because it means that I don't have to do like sit there for an hour going, yeah, okay, I've got, I've done that one and match that up against yeah. my Git history and the <laughs> Trello board, make sure that everything is kind of covered. <laughs> you know, now it's all kind of being done as it's going, and it's kind of taking a bit of a load off. You know, so so I I tend to find that the problem is more for me as far as like getting everything done myself is just just the sheer amount of time that you have to mm. put into it, um, mm. as opposed to like, you know, screenshots every time. They take me forever. I do use Fastlane. <laughs> Everybody's going to tell me about Fastlane like they always do. Fastlane still, like, <laughs> I, I'm always finding that I have to I have to spend, like, hours updating the script and getting it just right because I've changed just enough of the UI that it's not working now. Yeah. <sighs> you know, it's, it's just, it's those things that just kind of, they take so much time and I feel like I could be, using that for other things.
0: Well, for me too, I feel like Mm. not just the act of spending the time making those screenshots and stuff, but more and more, you know, optimizing your screenshots to make sure that you're getting a good download conversion rate. Like we can't have multiple landing pages like your SaaS app, can, Bell, like we get one landing page Mm. and that's it. And you need to obsess over that. And it's, Definitely, I think that's where I struggle doing that alone, because it's my weakest point. Like I I do an okay job at it. I'm reasonably thoughtful. I hope I'm not an idiot. But I'm sure an expert could do monumentally better than me. So that's, I guess what I meant more like with, I don't like doing it. Not because I mean, I like coming up with screenshots. I like doing my marketing. It's just I know it could be done better. And that's that's always what worries me around launch time is, especially on the Apple side, when you submit those screenshots and they're there, like I can't tweak them without a version mm-hmm. release. So there's a lot of pressure there that you can't just keep tweaking all the time as much. It's, you got to get it right when you launch.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's even more obvious in our case because we have web where we can update immediately whenever we want to. And Android, which takes maybe two hours. Mm -hmm. Two hours is kind of a long turnaround. And then Apple, where I'm lucky if I get an update out in 24 hours. And so the contrast makes it even more obvious Mm. that anything I do has to be right. Right. Whereas anything we do on the other platforms is so much easier to fix or change later.
2: And it's even better now. Like It's better now on Apple than it it has ever Mm. been before because it used to take like a week. You know, I, I had a I had a release where I I made this major screw up, and I was deleting it was deleting user data and stuff like that, and it was like a week turnaround in order to get a fix out there to solve oh, the problem. No. So, you know, it, it like the the pressure like the oh, yeah. the pressure is so much less now, and yet, yeah. but yeah, still there there is still a lot of pressure there because you still have like twenty four hours before you can get something out, and then you've got to wait for people to update and stuff like that.
1: Yeah,
0: that's yeah, so I'm curious how the new phase deployments for iOS. And the fact that ratings won't reset anymore are going to affect our launch mm. processes. Because if I can just submit a quick little bug fix and tweak those screenshots while I'm at it, I don't necessarily have to get it as right. Sure, it's still a 24 hour wait period. But in the end of the day, that's not the end of the world. So that's, I'm, I'm curious if we had this discussion a year or two from now, how much these app store changes are going to affect at least some of our launch process. I don't think a lot.
2: But at least removing those stresses would be nice. Mm. I, I wonder how much it'll change it. I don't necessarily know that I'll release more often because just in the general scheme of things, I like to make sure that my updates have like a bit of, you know, a bit of substance. Yeah. Um, you know, nice, nice, cool, chunky little updates, you know, like little fat babies. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I prefer to have my updates that way so that, uh, you know, so that when users actually do the update, they actually feel like they've done something, you know, if they, if they read the update notes, they've got a little bit. To actually, you know, look forward to, mm-hmm. even if they are just all mm-hmm. like, well, I fixed all of these things. <laughs> all of these things kind of sounds better than, well, I fixed this one minor thing that you probably don't even know that exists.
0: I don't know. Flip it to, like, how, how bell you're able to ship. Like, you aren't just fixing one bug, but you don't have to hold three features back because you're still working on that fourth. Like the fact that you can just at any Mm. point, Bell, just say, yep, added support for this feature. So now we're back in parity with the web or Android. Mm. Going to that kind of model is somewhat appealing to me.
1: Yeah, it definitely means that I don't have the pressure of needing a big feature in every update too. Sometimes it's just I added support for one more type of Apple Health data, which is often not a big deal compared to adding it in the first place. But Mm. I, I don't feel that pressure of this is not good enough for an update.
0: So, But yeah, it sounds like, Bell, you're definitely spoiled in some ways with the web-based feature <laughs> release. It sounds like it's not quite as stressful, and a lot of that, I'm sure, is self-induced stressed, as Jelly and I make our <laughs> updates uh, when we're shipping just plain old apps versus a service. Mm. But it, I, I'm glad I at least got Bell's one awesome tip of that leaving uh, exit newsletter. <laughs> I, I'm going to the be scaling that. That's 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 a nice little hack. So if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, all of us, uh, you can do so at hello at independence.fm. And we do read those. And we've been encouraged by the feedback we've gotten so far. So thanks for listening. If you want, you can also head over to independence.fm contact if you prefer our form over typing your own email. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us individually, you can find me on Twitter at parrots, the plural of the bird.
1: And you can find me at Belbycooper.com.
0: And I'm on Twitter as Jelly Bean Soup. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. See ya.